Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. Great to be with all of those who want to be in God's Word, but may not be able to be here with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We know that even in Omaha, there are not people. Uh, there are people who are not able to be with us on Wednesday evenings at 6:30 to be able to be in the Bible classes that we we. Uh, conduct on Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, good time to stop and get our spiritual batteries recharged for the rest of the week. And But they want to be in God's Word. And we know also that there are people across the country and literally around the world, they want to study God's Word. They want to learn more. They want to be better informed and understand more fully what God's Word really teaches. But of course, they live in other parts of the country and around the world, literally, so they can't be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Well, we're thankful to have this opportunity, the ability and the means to be able to teach God's Word through a, on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. So we're thankful that you're there. We're thankful you want to learn more from God's Word, and we're thankful to be here to be able to help you along that line. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means with family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, uh, other people who would like to get more into God's Word, or maybe some that may not let you know that they would like to, but you know they need to get into God's Word. So help them to grow in their faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17, help them to grow in their faith and maybe even help them get to heaven by sharing these studies with them. Also tell people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now it's free, it always will be free, and when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smartphone or computer or whatever smart device they choose, they will receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons a Monday through Friday daily radio program we call Search the Scriptures, and a short Bible class every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 minutes long, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that's important, again, for our faith. We call that today's Bible class. All of that will automatically go to your smart device for free, and always will be free and automatic. Well, Let's get into our study again from the book of Jude. We've spent some time on the first few verses of this one-chapter letter from Jude, and again, we believe that Jude was a physical brother of Jesus, as was James. And Jude identifies himself in the opening verse of Jude, this letter, he was the penman to write it down, God's very word. But he identifies himself as Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. And so again, we understand James to have been a, a physical brother of Jesus and Jude to have also been a physical brother of Jesus because he identifies himself as a brother of James. Now, Jude identifies himself further as a bondservant of Jesus, and then he addresses this particular letter to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. 
And as we went into some depth and detail, analyzing those particular descriptions as to whom James addresses this letter, we kind of boil that down. We can say he's talking about Christians. He's talking about true Christians, the church, because they are the ones who are called, and we're called by the gospel, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're sanctified, that is, set apart from the the world as we come into Christ. The Apostle Paul goes into some detail there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the second half of that chapter. And then preserved in Christ Jesus, well, as the Apostle Peter put it in 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about how we, as we became Christians, have become partakers of an inheritance that is reserved in heaven for us, an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. So we're talking about ultimately our eternal home in heaven. Well, interesting and very, very uh, illustrative kinds of kind of an address, and and as to to whom this this letter that Je- that Jude is writing is addressing, he's writing it to Christians, to the Lord's church. It goes on in verse two, and he says, "Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you," and these are pretty similar greetings that are expressed in many of the New Testament letters, particularly by the Apostle Paul. Now, in verse 3, Jude goes on, and he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, again, our common salvation through the gospel of Christ, we are called to come to Christ for forgiveness and salvation through that gospel message of salvation that Jesus brought to mankind here on this earth from heaven itself. All right? And we're all called in the same way through that gospel message. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So in other words, to everybody. It is the same gospel message that Jesus proclaimed when he came to this earth almost 2,000 years ago, and it is the same gospel message that will be proclaimed to lead people to salvation in Christ until the Lord comes again, whenever God determines that day to be. Well, so he says, I was very diligent, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, as we pointed out in our last time together, that word contend is a strong word, very active, and then attached to that is an adverb that emphasizes the activeness even more, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, the faith is God's word. And, and probably Jude is more focused in his application here to the faith to being, again, the gospel of Christ, which basically you read through the whole New Testament. 
the gospel of Christ, the message of salvation, Christianity, if we want to put it in, 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 in other terms. And, and so James, uh, rather Jude, is saying, contend earnestly for the faith. Now again, faith, my faith, is my personal belief. The faith is God's word. And as Jude is really focusing in here, I think he's probably talking about New Testament Christianity, the gospel of Christ. And so faithfulness is my putting my faith into action through faithful, consistent, obedient dedication and service to God according to how I'm instructed by the faith, God's word. So God has given us his word, the faith, to guide us to faith, my personal belief, my faith, that should lead me to faithfulness. And that includes obedience to the faith, the teaching of God's word. Faithful lifestyle as a Christian dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Jude writes this letter Again, just one chapter, only 25 verses, and the primary focus of this letter is to warn against and encourage Christians to be on guard against false teaching and false teachers. There's a whole lot of false teachers out there today, and I think we can say pretty much since the church was established on Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago. Until today, there have always been a lot of false teachers. When you read through the book of Acts, the early history book of the New Testament church, of Christianity, Paul, yeah, he deals with false teachers. When he writes Galatians, he's dealing with false teachers. It was a problem from the very beginning of the church just about, and it's been a problem ever since, up until this day. And I suspect will almost undeniably, unquestionably be a problem until the Lord comes again. whole lot of people out there who are teaching false doctrine. They're teaching things that are not in conformance with God's Word. Now, those who are teaching false teaching, and doctrine simply means teaching, so they're teaching false doctrine, they are false teachers. Now, that might bother some people, and it might bother those false teachers themselves. They might be saying, what are you talking about? I'm teaching God's Word. You're not teaching it accurately. You're adding things to it, or you're taking things from it. When Paul was writing to the Galatian congregations, He said, I'm amazed that you are so soon turned away from what you have been taught to another gospel. Then when he said, which is not another. And so he says, some false teachers have come in and they are swaying you away from the true gospel to a perverted gospel. And he said, there are some who want to pervert or twist the gospel. Now, as I've emphasized When you change the gospel of Christ, it is no longer the gospel of Christ. It's now the gospel of you. When you change God's word, it is no longer God's word. 
It is your word because truth is narrow and truth always is narrow. So Jude here, he instructs, he exhorts, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, let's turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. As I said, even during Paul's ministry, and this would have been in the early years of the church, he is already dealing with and teaching against false teachers. Here he is in Acts chapter 20. He is talking to the elders of the church of our Lord at Ephesus or from Ephesus. And so beginning with verse 28, he says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So he's talking about the church at Ephesus. These were elders overseeing the church at Ephesus. He says, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, what is he talking about? Is he talking about true wild wolves are somehow going to break into the gatherings of the church as they come together to worship God? We might compare it today. Are they going to break through windows in the church building? Are they going to beat down the door? That's not what he's talking about when he says savage wolves. He's talking about false teachers. So he says, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Well, who is the flock? The members of the congregation there in Ephesus, or members of the Lord's church everywhere. It goes on in verse 30, and he says, also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Speaking perverse things, they're going to be teaching false doctrine. They're going to be perverting the truth of God's word. Jesus said we need to know the truth because the truth will make us free, John 8 and verse 32. And that truth is none other than God's word, John 17 and verse 17. And so Paul is putting the elders in the church at Ephesus the Lord's church at Ephesus, on alert. He said, look, after I leave, false teachers are going to come in. He likens them to being savage wolves who are going to, who are going to draw away disciples, disciples, simply followers of Christ, true Christians, after themselves. And that's what false teachers try to do. They try to get, gain a gathering or a following through teaching their false doctrines. And then Paul goes on and he says, and and even from among yourselves, false teachers are going to rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Again, trying to pull people after them, leading them by false teaching. And false teachers are, are often very skillful in what in the way they're trying to get across the false doctrines that they're that they're purporting and they gain followings well paul says to those elders at the church from the church at ephesus you be alert you be on guard stand against them in 
2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we find the Apostle Paul, he's at the end of his ministry, it would seem, upon this earth. And so he's a prisoner in Rome for the second time. And from the tone of this letter, sounds like he expects to be executed fairly soon. He's writing this to Timothy, and he says in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance in his kingdom, preach the word. What word? The word. Not just some word. Preach the word of God. Preach Christianity. Preach the gospel of Christ. He goes on and says, be ready in season and out of season. Now, when it's easy, when it's difficult, you preach the word when it's readily received and when it's rejected. You just keep preaching the word. So he says, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Keep teaching the word. Convince through the teaching of the word, the positive teaching of the word, but also when it's necessary, rebuke false teaching. Rebuke sinful practices and lifestyles. Exhort, encourage, and do this preaching and teaching on an ongoing basis with all long-suffering, that is, patience and teaching. Keep on teaching the truth. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, what is sound doctrine? True teaching. The true teaching of God's word. And Paul is foretelling here to Timothy, there's going to come a time when members of the Lord's church are not going to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to, going to like to hear the true teaching. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They want to have their ears scratched. They're going to want to find teachers who will make them feel good in what they already want to believe or in what they already believe in the lifestyles they're living, even though some of those things that they may believe are false teachings. Even though some of those lifestyles that they may be living are sinful. They want to be made to feel comfortable. They want to have their ears scratched. They want to hear things that are going to to make them feel secure, even in their false beliefs and even in their sinful lifestyles. And so he goes on in verse 4, and he says, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And oh my, how people have followed that exact pathway that Paul laid out there by way of prophecy and also by way of instructing Timothy, Timothy, you just keep preaching the truth. Do not relent. When people are glad to hear it, when people don't like what you're preaching, you just keep preaching the truth. And that's what we still have to do today. We still have to stay true to God's word. Now, I want to read also in 2 Timothy chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and uh, and verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3. And here Paul writes in his first letter to Timothy, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And then Paul says to Timothy, from such withdraw yourself. And so he's warning against false teaching again. And false teachers, someone who comes in and teaches different from what Paul has taught Timothy and from what Paul has taught Timothy to teach to congregations and to individuals as to how to become Christians and how to be true to God by following the teachings of Jesus Christ faithfully, the teachings of God's Word. And, and then I want also to read 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. And here again, Paul addresses this same subject. And he writes, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. What's sound words again? What's sound doctrine? True teaching is what he's saying. True teaching. So he says, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. Paul taught the truth of God's word through his ministry. He taught Timothy a great deal of the truth of God's word. Timothy worked with him in some of his missionary work, teaching people how to become Christians, strengthening and grounding in the truth congregations that had been established as the Lord's church. And Paul tells Timothy, he reminds him, he encourages him, you hold fast the pattern of sound words. Now, there's all kinds of false teachers out there today. The denominational world is full of false teachers teaching all kinds of opposing and contradictory doctrines from one another and from God's Word. There are false teachers out there who even would deny some of God's Word as being God's Word. They would say, well, some of those things in God's Word that we're taught as to Christianity, they're out, they're, they're, they're out of date now. They're, they're outmoded. They're old-fashioned. And so we need to change some of those things to fit the times that we're living in today. Really? Jesus, he taught that God's Word is God's Word and that we need to follow it consistently. God's Word does not change. And who in the world are we to suppose that we are smart enough to be able to figure out that in some places what was sound doctrine, what was true teaching, true to God's will, because the writers who wrote it down were guided by God to write his very word through the Holy Spirit, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
who are we to think that we're smart enough to somehow pick out certain points of Christian doctrine written down in God's Word and say, well, you know, we need to change those. We need to make them more relevant to today's time. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19 come to mind to anybody? Almost the very last verses in the New Testament. What is written down for us there? I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life. In other words, you're not going to be in heaven. From the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And this is not an isolated text of Scripture. Now, even if it were, if God says it one time, that's enough. But we read it again, in essence, in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 2, Deuteronomy 12 and verse 32, Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10. We read it over and over again. God's Word is God's Word. And we have no authority to change it to suit ourselves. Now, some people might say, well, it's not to suit ourselves. It's to bring it more relevant to the time. No, you're trying to suit yourself. You're you're saying that somehow you know more than what God's Word says. You know something beyond God's Word, and so you're going to change it around. You're going to say, well, that doesn't apply anymore, or it needs to be at least changed. Well, remember how Paul describe those false teachers who had come to Galatia as perverting the gospel, which means twisting it. Peter even talked about some false teachers who would twist the scriptures. And a whole lot of people do that today. They twist it. They twist what the word says. They want to change it. In their mind, they think they can improve upon it for today's times, and that is simply false, simply false. We do not have that wisdom, and we do not have that authority to change God's Word. We'll pick up here next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your Word, the Bible. Thank you for guiding us in your will through those instructions in your Scriptures. And Father, help us to revere your word, to hold it in awe and in honor because it is your word, and to never even entertain a hint of a thought that somehow we can improve upon it by changing it. We want to live by your teachings, Father and thereby glorify you. Guide us in this, please, and strengthen us in our faith, please. And Father, we pray at this time, please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.